Sanchez. And I'm here with my Jamaican brother from South London, the enigmatic Dr. Wagwa. And together, we banter about trending geopolitical topics from all around the globe. Mainly, we diss the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. But we're going to give them pussyholes a break and discuss matters in Europe and the US. Bro, big stuff going down in Europe. Have you heard about this Nagorno-Karabakh conflict going on? I've heard a little bit about it, but uh, I'm interested to learn more. Man, essentially, the Armenians are battling it out with Azerbaijan. Like, it's, it's a long-time conflict, but they're in the midst of it again. They're, still, they're calling it a conflict, right? But really, it's basically war, man. It certainly looks that way. It's a man. historical conflict, isn't it? That's right. Began, I think, in 1988 with the dissolution of the Soviet Union and escalated into a full-scale war in the 1990s. In 1994, a ceasefire was declared and the country had peace until 2016 where there was a ceasefire violation and a four-day conflict in uh, April of that year. Mm. So this Armenia and Azerbaijan, they used to be part, as you say, of the Russian-Soviet Union. Once together, like an unwanted marriage, and now divorced, but living right next to each other. The clashes stem from the dispute of, over the Armenian-majority Nagorno-Karabakh, an internationally recognized territory of Azerbaijan, which is presently held by the self-played, self-proclaimed Republic of Artsakh. So the Republic of Artsakh is actually in Azerbaijan territory, but they are loyal to Armenia. Is that what you're saying? Certainly, the population is majority Armenian, so their loyalties lie with Armenia rather than Azerbaijan. Mm. I think uh, this region, the Nagorno-Karabakh region, is an area between the two countries. It's predominantly made up of ethnic Armenians, and this is the area that the wars in the 18 and 80s and 90s were for, uh, fought over. So. Mm. Things are getting hotter again. Mm -hmm. Well, the Russians have uh, military forces in Armenia, and a conflict between the two countries doesn't benefit them. So by the 1994 ceasefire, essentially Azerbaijan had lost, and Nagorno-Karabakh had declared independence and become part of Ar Armenia by function and by de facto, by name. And, you know, uh, it was basically facts on the ground. Mm. Well, it's interesting that the Russians were brokering, you know, this ceasefire back then. It's really confusing, but makes total sense when we look at how long standing historical conflicts, you know, how, how they, they go on for, because there's just too much mud between the parties for it to make any rational sense. All clear as mud, as they say. Tensions essentially escalated because the president of Azerbaijan, Ilham Aliyev, had demanded from the Armenian military forces that they leave their lands 
and after that the armenian and azerbaijani civilians can live together in peace that those are his words the president of armenia armin sarkisyan stated that azerbaijan are forcing armenians out of land that is rightfully theirs and have lived in before azerbaijan was a republic or even existed armin sarkisyan stated that ilham aliyev is conducting ethnic cleansing mm. now these two countries man they're at it again and their concerns of another full-scale war for our listeners i want to define conflict versus full-scale war so when we think conflict right what, what comes to mind for you well i guess a conflagration where shots are fired people are injured mm -hmm. tensions start to ratchet up and there is a chance of a, an escalation of you know much greater hostilities it's not a verbal disagreement mm. it gets mm. actually pretty hot and people mm. could die mm. well man in this case people have died they're clocking over 200 people dead now we're talking artillery fire and aerial strikes on civilian settlements including the capital cities both wow. sides claimed it was a retaliation of the other bombing first wow man it's the deaths everywhere so the azerbaijani authorities claimed that at 6 a.m local time the armenians intensively shelled azerbaijani army positions along the entire front line and shelled nearby settlements the president of the self-proclaimed republic of Artsakh, so let's just call them armenia claimed hostilities commenced at 0800 when azerbaijani armed forces launched artillery and aerial strikes so here we already have two conflicting stories we don't know who strikes first but man from 0800 in literally 10 minutes tanks troops rockets artilleries uavs all of that was deployed and mobilized with wow. martial law and curfew declared for its citizens on both sides so since the 27th of september right we got i think they're talking like 240 deaths now civic buildings have been decimated as well as military machines like tanks and helicopters all being shot down destroyed burnt journalists have been killed but have managed to take photos and videos of these vehicles and trucks just burning and auto mayhem everywhere just auto madness man and i want to emphasize that this is what is called a conflict not a war the last i want to add that the last conflict killed thirty thousand people and that's a, that was called a conflict that's right man so what is a war well the fear of a full-scale war is when russia who has troops in armenia get involved and then you got turkey right turkey wants to get in on too because they have been openly declaring support for azerbaijan as there are a lot of ethnic turks there it's insane in it but this is what geopolitics is about yeah basically yeah it's a it's a dirty messy game and this ethnic conflict can draw in regional powers as you've said the turkish government is stepping up its assertive policies due to the shrinking american role in the area 
Though the United States, it's never wielded that much influence in the South Caucasus region as Russia, the United States is pulling out a lot of its attention. It just doesn't want to get involved mm. in uh, the South Caucasus. It's got its hands tied with China. It doesn't have time mm-hmm. for, for anything else. So um, Turkey mm-hmm. is taking advantage of this and it wants to press what it feels is its advantage. But mm. if these things have a, have a habit of escalating because if Turkey gets involved, then Russia will get involved and things escalate. Mm-hmm. That's right. So the Turkish government, they've really been stepping up in its international presence. They've been flexing in Libya, Syria, Greece, and now Nagorno-Karabakh. This has gone and pissed off the, even the French government. The French government are calling the Turks of warlike messaging. And just to add another layer of complexity to this conflict, the French spies have informed President Macron that jihadists from Syria have been confirmed to be located in Nagorno-Karabakh. Now remember, the French are heavily involved in counterterrorism operations in the Mali region of Africa. Yeah, I, I, I want to highlight a quote from uh, Mohamed Ayoub, he's a professor of international relations at Michigan State University, a fine university, I might add. Mm-hmm. He said, there are too many external fingers in this pie in the Caucasus. It has the potential to turn into a major conflict. The United States and United Nations have highlighted the political and social motives to this conflict. And the Armenian president is being forced by domestic politics to rescind on the framework designed in the 1994 ceasefire agreements. Meanwhile, Azerbaijan is facing social problems and the falling price of oil. Its economy is basically propped up by oil, unlike Armenia, which doesn't have natural resources and has an economy that functions in manufacturing and services. Azerbaijan needs raw materials to be priced high so that it can sell them. So its economy is deteriorating. So war at this moment for Azerbaijan is probably the best option to make sure the public rallies around their leader, uh, Ilham Aliyev. Mm. This is such a cliche tactic in politics played by the elite. We've said it before, like we've said last week, the CCP are looking for a fight with either Taiwan or India to detract from his, from their own domestic problems. He's been in office for 17 years and, mm. you know, the economy is going down the toilet. People are having a lot of trouble making ends meet. So, we, you know. Provokes a mm. war, I guess, and hopes for the best. Mm-hmm. Just like history has shown that in the US of A, they've done this many times before with their past presidents. You know, they, every time something goes bad domestically, the president will declare war on another country and everyone forgets about that. Everyone rallies together under the patriotic kind of banner and, and you know, goes to war as one country. France, Russia, US and the greater United Nations. They've all been calling for a ceasefire. Armenia has responded positively to this call, but Azerbaijan, they're insisting that peace and stability will only come when the Armenian military leaves their land. They're not going to leave, and they have no incentive of leaving. Um, That that Mm -hmm. land is a very important buffer region to Armenia. They don't. They need a buffer, I guess, to guarantee their security against Azerbaijan. So uh, 
I, I think there's a strong incentive for them to stay and redouble their efforts, really. So we'll have to... I think Azerbaijan may be praying that Turkey steps in because Armenia can't fight Turkey. They can fight Azerbaijan quite effectively, but they don't have enough of a military to fight Turkey. But if Turkey mm. steps in, Russia will step in. So not a, not a good idea, not a good policy. That's right. Too many... Like, other than that, I'm not sure what other country is going to get involved. But man, that, that is full-scale war right there. You have four countries going all at it. Have yeah, you seen some war. of the atrocities going on already, man? It's crazy stuff. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, man. People like you and I think think about a blackout, right? When a blackout occurs in your suburb or your area, what do you do? You got nothing to do, right? You maybe you're gonna go on your phone, right? But you got no electricity. You got nothing. You can't. You can't chill and what you know, hang out. These guys, they're experiencing blackouts, except they're gathering together in basements or underground kind of areas. You know, twenty people or so hold up in one room and hugging each other, with shells being dropped above them, booming. That's crazy stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very. It has the potential to escalate quite significantly, and it's already already a tremendous humanitarian crisis. Mm. So they started on the 27th of September. This is now the 4th of October. Man, it's nearly one week. In my opinion, I think uh, it'll spill a lot of blood. But in the end, at the end of the day, the line will not move. Boundaries will not move. Azerbaijan mm. has been trying for a long time to affect this change. But they just don't have enough of an economy or military to take on Armenia. Hmm. Not at this moment, anyway. Perhaps at some point in the future, but not at this moment. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the U.S., did you view the presidential debate between Biden and Trump? Are you kidding me? Of course we did. Every every man, woman, and child in the nation and their dog uh, viewed the debate. It was mm-hmm. it was incredible. Did you did you watch it? I saw bits and pieces, man. Bits and pieces of the mayhem. More towards the end. I mean, that's, I think it was like 90 minutes of mayhem, man. Things got pretty heated up, actually. Um, it was just a, a shit show of anger and hatred. You know, Trump kept interrupting Biden. And if you fact check a lot of Trump's statements, a lot of them turned out to be false. <laughs> yeah, it was... Not surprised, uh, man. It was incredible. Um, Biden called Trump a clown straight to his face. And I think he told him to shut up. <laughs> so it, it 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 escalated. Then Trump, you, you know, instigated a personal attack against Biden's uh, dead son. Um, oh man, that's low. I, I I don't understand it really. To be honest, that's that's <laughs> it's shocking. Uh, it's it's within character. He made fun of many people who have given their lives for the for the nation. I think um, Biden's son didn't die in combat. He died of brain cancer, as I understand it. But he served in Iraq. Um, and uh, Trump, Trump has called veterans as losers and suckers. So it is certainly within character. Biden got pretty, pretty riled up after that comment. And I should mention that I believe the comments about clown and telling him to shut up came after Trump made that personal attack. Mm. So uh, Biden, Biden was quite civil to begin with, but you know, with enough provocation, you, you make fun of somebody's deceased son. How do you think they're going to react? It was uh, it was incredible and a complete complete disaster for the Trump campaign. 
they they made Biden out to be this kind of weak, uh, not quick on his feet debater orator. But uh, yeah, it was Trump who actually screwed up the debate. Twitter Trump, they call it. Yeah, it uh, it was a complete disaster. Trump next to Biden, uh, a complete disaster. When he was up against Hillary, he interrupted Hillary. And for some reason, whenever Hillary was interrupted, she kind of got rattled and she couldn't handle it. But Biden, mm-hmm. Biden just got meaner and meaner. He, he just rose to the challenge. So mm-hmm. it, I don't think Trump was really prepared for this. He argued with Biden. Biden just came back twice as hard. Uh, it, it's a markedly different debate performance from uh, when he debated Hillary. Mm. I have to say, though, as a viewer from the UK, right, I'm a bit more removed from the US elections. But when I was observing it, every moment I was just waiting to see if Biden was going to slip up with his dementia. I mean, a lot of people think that, but there's no evidence to suggest that he has dementia. He doesn't have a history of that in his family. Um, Oh, so it's not real. It's just Trump propaganda, is it? Well, I mean, you you watch his speech. Biden was quite eloquent. What Biden does have is a a stutter. So uh, he's had that his entire life from since he he was a a child. So um, he writes quite eloquently. But speaking, he has a stutter, so he, he has difficulty. It's a, it's a kind of a mental, mental condition. Um, he's, mm. Obviously, he's worked on it so that he looks pretty good, but it, it was apparently quite severe when he was younger. He volunteers to um, young people to help them with their stutters, uh, one of which is, I think, a 10- or 11-year-old boy who stood up and thanked publicly thanked Joe Biden for giving him some inspiration that he can achieve things despite having having that stutter wow yeah so, good deeds yeah it's uh i think people just assumed that because he stuttered that he was dumb and that's just i guess how people were in the past <laughs> i mean people thought a lot of dumb things in the past like if you're left-handed you're you're dumb or whatever mm. so uh i i think it's a little bit uh i guess Ignorant, but also wishful thinking on the side of the Trump campaign who thought that Biden was, uh, I guess, senile or had dementia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it's quite convenient that Trump and the first lady have now contracted coronavirus. You know, well, so now they don't need to do any more debating. That is a very convenient set of circumstances. And if he survives... And he does actually have the coronavirus. Now, Trump's team has reported that he has the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, there are some doubts in people's minds that he actually does have it. However, he has been moved to Walter Reed Hospital. But you're right. He doesn't have to debate Biden anymore because he will Mm -hmm. probably lose if he debated Biden. So it probably makes sense for him to to have this kind of excuse. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say something that I haven't heard in the media. So this is not official, right? But I heard he got this COVID-19 from Hope Hicks after receiving head from her. Is that true? You think that's true, man? I don't know. You look at Hope Hicks. She's hot, bro. She's quite attractive. So anyway, I just want to say that in case some listeners and some journalists out there, you know, everyone's probably thinking about it. Every red-blooded man is probably thinking about it, but not saying it. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. Trump received head from Hope Hicks. And she infected him with the coronavirus. You know, 
that is i'm not gonna say i don't know whether it happened or it didn't happen i don't know i don't know people are talking i'm gonna it imagine is, it happened bro it was it it's, I, i'll it's have like to my say own it it's like my own porno going on in my head bro he'll wheel himself in there and he'll be like yo hope can you can you do a trump voice i can't really do one it's like hope i really like you you're an attractive <laughs> lady i uh i want to make love to you and uh i want to I want to touch your body with my my really big hands. Let me let me show you what else is really big on my on my body. Let's, and I'm not talking good, about my belly. <laughs> that's a good Trump impersonation, man. Good one. Hey, well, I've had a lot I've, of time. I've been hearing, I've been hearing as well, man. He's getting good treatment. No, he's getting the best in the world. The, the best, man. He's on this like kind of two different kind of trial drugs kind of stuff to treat him. You know, and they're not cures. Like he's on that one that starts with the R. What's it called? Remdesivir. Wow. Remdesivir. That's the right one. That's the right. That's the, the one that medication. Yeah, and then the U.S. bought out like almost ninety percent of the world's supply, and all these other countries couldn't couldn't get it. They had to be on the waiting list to get it. So he's on that stuff, and he's on this other trial, which is essentially called synthetic antibodies created in a lab, right? And then put into the body like a booster shot but there's no there's no evidence yet of you know what that does to a human being when they've been shot with this kind of booster of antibodies but man he he's looking well of course the, your government's saying he's doing well he's, you know he's moving around he walks himself to the helicopter to get on board to to take him to the hospital yeah uh we'll have to see we'll have to see uh with with this president it's really hard to know what direction he's been highly unpredictable it's a it's every step of the way and that's where people get their doubts saying that maybe trump is just faking it because he doesn't want to debate biden i will say one thing if trump die if trump actually has the coronavirus and he dies from it this is going to be a world-changing event because the CCP will have, in fact, effect murdered a, an American president. Oh man, that is deep stuff. It's gonna. Can you it's imagine gonna make things breaking crazy. out when that happens, bro? Let's not it, talk about it, man. Let's let let's hope that doesn't happen. I mean, let's hope in, he, he survives. Yeah, they're in a cold war now. We don't want a hot war. We just want to keep documenting and tracking this cold war now let's hope that trump survives that's all we can say mm -hmm. now on to cheerier news two beers made in taiwan win they've won awards two beers made in taiwan win at world beer awards september 29th beers produced by the taiwanese brand bok skin took home awards in two categories at the 2020 World Beer Awards held earlier this month. Buckskin said in a statement on Tuesday. That's right. The uh, Buckskin Alt Beer was named the world's best dark alt beer for the second consecutive year, while the Buckskin Dortmunder Export won the world's best lager Dortmunder, the company said. On the World Beer Awards website, Buckskin's alt beer was described as having a subtle but refined balance between the malt and yeast with a nice drying bitterness and a biscuit-like aroma. Mm. The two beers, yeah, it sounds great. 
the two beers produced by Buckskin were the only ones from Taiwan to be honored at the awards this year, according to the company. So uh, have you ever tried Taiwanese beer, by the way? Because I know you're mm. a, you're an avid drinker of beer. No, I haven't tried Taiwanese beer. I haven't heard of it. You know, lately they're becoming, they hit the market with their whiskeys, right? That's and true. They, man, they, they, they're good, good whiskeys. Then not long ago, they came onto the market with their wine. I didn't know they were dabbling with beer. And they're getting good at it. I'll be honest. I, I quite enjoy beer, and the Taiwanese beers are getting good at it. I think the whiskeys are winning awards. A little bit too strong for my taste. I do enjoy it, though. It's it's great. But their mm -hmm. wines and their beers are really – their craft beer industry in Taiwan is really polished. I think it's just the Taiwanese people. They have a very strong – attention to detail and a mm -hmm. dedication to their craft whatever it is they want to do they give it 110 percent they mm -hmm. really just focus themselves and dedicate themselves this tiny little country and and they just punch so far above their weight so i i'm gonna go out and grab these beers myself i'm looking forward to uh trying them I, i've mm -hmm. tried last year's concoction i want to try this year's winning concoction mm -hmm. as soon as it as soon as it re reaches the states mm -hmm. i have to say man it's interesting that they went with, you know, kind of like a German or European vibe to the names, like Dortmunder or Altbier. It's interesting that they did that. Yeah, I, I think most of the beers that we have today are, uh, with the exception of ale, I would say, are more German or uh, Central European style beers. So mm. whereas the, the British style beer is more of an ale uh, mm -hmm. And ales are becoming popular too. Taiwan has some good ales, actually. But mm -hmm. I think most people uh, would prefer a lighter, like a lager or something like that. Mm. Yeah. I prefer lighter. I prefer, you prefer the lighter. lighter. Mm -hmm. have, you ever tried, have you ever tried the darker or the ales? I have. My palate, my, I think I've got a sensitive palate, you know? You go for the it, lagers. Yeah, man. It's just I like the lighter stuff, the floral stuff, you know, the yeah. flowery the pansy stuff, man. Taiwan's got some good beers. Goes perfect with fried food. When I used to travel there, fried chicken, mm -hmm. fried vegetables, mm. and a cool glass of ice-cold Taiwan beer. That's mm. good stuff. It's really mm. good. Some funny news, bro. I wanted to ask you about this myself, actually. What's this news about the, the five foul-mouthed parrots that have to be separated at Lincolnshire Zoo? after they taught each other how to swear and were swearing at the people. That's right, man. So over here in the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park, there's these rowdy birds, right? Parrots. They were donated by a charity from five different owners in the same week. Now, they're saying that within a very short period of time, these five parrots, right, they start socializing with each other and they started swearing at each other. This is what Steve Nichols, the park's chief executive, told the Lincolnshire Life. He explained that the F word is the most commonly used word by the parrots. Oh my God. Man, oh my God. It's hilarious. They say the F word apparently is a very easy one for them to learn. But the, <laughs> the birds, man, they would utter anything you can think of. What, what's with you Brits and swearing? Oh, man. These Good African grief. parrots, right? They've been teaching each other obscenities while they quarantine together in the same room. 
This is amazing. This Nichols guy, he went on to say that when you get four or five of them together and they've learned swearing and naturally learned the language, so when one swears and one laughs, and before you know it, it just got to be like an old working men's club scenario where they are all just swearing and laughing. It's crazy how these parrots can do that, man. The parrots' <laughs> names are Eric, Jade, Elsie, Tyson, and Billy. Straight up British names. And they love making fun of Nichols. Oh, he that's says, great. Man, he says he gets called a fat tart every time <laughs> he walks past. The, a fat tart. Tart. Like what? Like a, a cake? Tart? No, tart in the British sense is like a slot, man. Oh, oh my lord! These yeah. parrots are so foul-mouthed. Man, they're why smart they, birds. They, why and they, are they, they so mean? They then they do this to entertain themselves. Like one swears and the other ones are laughing. My God, it's so it's so intelligent, but also it's yeah, it's, it's kind of nasty. So they actually enjoy provoking people. Oh man, they they just they they tell they tell visitors to fuck off, <laughs> but. Can I can I say something? Why do we have to separate them if they're having fun together? I mean, they're living in captivity. Do yeah. we really want to put them in in isolation? And get let them become depressed? Let them have fun. Exactly. <laughs> nobody's gonna nobody's gonna exactly. become offended from a, a bunch of parrots swearing. Exactly, man. And visitors haven't even complained about it. Visitors are saying that they find it entertaining. You know, I they find don't find it entertaining it too. Yeah, but now they've gone and split all five of them out. They place them in different areas of the park, all split up. Oh, that's sad. They're, it is they're a bit fun. sad. They're man. having fun together. They got a group. Yeah, and just because this Nichols guy, you know, he doesn't like doesn't like being called a fat tart every time. Well, man, you know, grow Maybe some Maybe you balls. should lose some weight. Exactly, man. Ah. Didn't, didn't your didn't your president, your uh, prime minister, say to the British people that they have to lose some weight? I know that you didn't like that, but maybe this guy needs to lose some weight. Maybe the parrots won't swear at him if he loses weight. Hey, Nichols, you're hearing this, bro? You're a fat fucking tart, bro. And the parrots, they're doing you good. You should listen up. Just send them, send them over here. We need that kind of, we need that kind of wisdom and honesty in the states because we hide behind a lot of false politeness sometimes sometimes mm -hmm. you got to say it what it is and sometimes it takes a parrot to tell you the truth mm -hmm. these don't, don't parrots split them up that's going to be sad don't split keep the gang together these parrots man they should send them over to the un you know they should be part of any kind of mediation process in between two warring nations you know send them to armenia and azerbaijan and then they'll be sitting there telling them off that you both fat fuckers <laughs> That that would add a a new dimension to negotiations, you know. Mm -hmm. That would uh, I, I'm I'm just I, I kind of find this funny because not only are they kind of mumbling these words, it seems like they actually understand that they're annoying people, provoking them. They're actually enjoying the the they're the, the, the jokes, act, bro. They're, they're having laughing. fun provoking people. Yeah, man, they're highly intelligent African parrots. <laughs> Beautiful animals. That's right. Yo, you righteous people out there, thank you for joining us. And we hope you have found our topics entertaining and informative. And join us next time to digest all the week's madness again. Much love to you all. Later, Professor Sanchez.
Adios, Dr.